Morning, Gateway. How are we doing this morning? Beautiful day outside, beautiful weekend. Pastor Paul, as you know, is now on a sabbatical leave, and so for the months of June, July, and August, there will be different people up here speaking to you. I happen to be the first one, and uh, you'll hear me a few times this summer. (laughs) But uh, we have a great summer planned here at Gateway Church. We're really excited about uh, what's going to take place. We're excited about Pastor Paul being able to take some rest, to hear from God. And my challenge to him before he left was last week was go to your sabbatical asking God, what's, what's in my relationship with you? Not what's best for Gateway Church, but what's best for Paul? And where is God trying to take Paul? So as he's gone over the summer, and you can text him, and you can call him, and you can you know, invite him to dinner. It's not like he's, you know, got leprosy now or something and you can't go see him. Just don't talk shop with him. Just, just minister to him and, and be his friend. And they will love that. So, if you're under the age of 35 in this auditorium this morning, I want you to pay very close attention to me. You're what we call a millennial, right? There's lots of stuff written about millennials. Some good, some not so good. We all have our opinions about millennials. I think they're very smart people. So I'm willing to, now remember this is only for those under 35 years old. The first person who meets me up here with a $10 bill, I'll trade you for a Benjamin. Most millennials don't carry money with them. (laughs) There are a millennial somewhere in this room that has a $10 bill. Here we go. Come on up here. Give everybody your name. Bria. Bria, and she doesn't have shoes on. Were you back in there? You're running my sound for me. Here's your $100 bill. Thank you very much. Now, don't you wish you had a $10 bill in your pocket this morning? That's a pretty good trade, isn't it? Now, if you had a 20, would you trade me for another 100? I don't have any more 100s to give out today. (laughs) Guess what I'm talking about today? Money. We're going to talk about generosity today. Was that generous of me to give... Bria, a $100 bill in exchange for a 10? No, I don't know in my world that is pretty generous. I'm going to give you some scenarios today because I think we are inundated by people asking us for money. Right? For instance, um, I go to SA gas stations because I have a reward card that says SA on it, Okay. But every time you go in there and you pay for something, they say, would you like to give a dollar to organization XYZ, right? They're asking me for money. Or you go to the grocery store, and I don't go there very often, but when I do, they have these little bags you can buy and you can give them to an organization or you can 
give $5 more and they put your name on a star and they put it on the wall and it's for some organization that Cub Foods is trying to support. Or if I go to my favorite store, do you know what that one is? Hey, Cabela's. Every time I go there, they ask me for money. Would you like to round up for the next dollar for conservation? People all over ask you for money all the time. I used to feel really, really guilty when people would ask me for money like that. Like, boy, am I some kind of a loser because I don't believe in your organization and I don't want to give to that organization? And after a while, my conscience got the... It got easier. (laughs) I pushed it down enough in my conscience so I didn't have to say yes. But I think I'm a fairly generous kind of a guy. I regularly give to organizations that I feel are worthy. So what's the reason why at times I don't feel like I need to give? My conscience... I manage it, I justify my reasons for saying no to an organization asking for money. Let me ask you this, are you a generous person? How do you measure generosity? Against someone else or against your own self or against your conscience or against what the Holy Spirit might say to you? How good at you are managing, how good at you, how good are you at managing your conscience when someone asks you for money? Have you said no long enough that it's real easy? We're gonna get back to those questions. Because today I wanna help you to identify what it is to be generous and to live a generous lifestyle. What does that mean for us as Christians in Gateway Church? And if you're new to church or this is your first time you visited, I'm sorry. We don't usually talk about money around here. But it's an important part of who we are as believers and as people in our society. Are we generous with what we've been given? Okay, let's look at generosity in another light. Let's say me and a bunch of my buddies, we go pheasant hunting. And you know, they have these game farms where they put the birds out for you, so you're guaranteed to see them. Whether or not you can shoot them or not is your deal. But say we go to this game farm and we put out a bunch of birds and we shoot them and we have fun and we laugh and we clean them up and we take them home and on the way home, we stop for lunch. And because I shot more birds than everybody else and my dog retrieved more birds than everybody else's dog, I feel generous, so I buy the guys lunch. You're all smiling because, yeah, you'd do that, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Why is it that when we see somebody on the street corner that holds up a sign that says, we'll work for food or homeless, we find it harder to buy them lunch than our own buddies who can probably afford their own? Let me give you another scenario. You're out to dinner with your spouse and you're having a great time. Um, The server just knows exactly what to do. They're always filling your water glass when you need it. They're there when you're ready to order. They leave you alone. Somehow you get to know them through the conversation of the evening and you find out that they're a single parent. They're struggling to make ends meet. 
But their attitude is different. They're excited about life and they have a positive outlook on their future. And they're excited to help you that day. And so when you write the tip out, you give them a 50% tip on the bill. And you're generous. And you're excited about that because you're helping somebody out. I just gave you six different scenarios of how to be generous. Some of them are really fun and easy and you're all smiling with me like, yeah, of course I would do that. That's a lot of fun. And some of them make you feel a little bit icky. Like, I don't know if I'd give to that. Why? Why is that? Because I asked the very same question of myself. Why is it that sometimes I feel generous and I want to give and there are other times where I feel like, man, I don't want any part of that. I think the answer is in ownership. Do I feel like I have a vested interest in that person, that organization, or the people who are represented by that generosity? And I feel like I'm going to do some good in their lives, in their countenance, in their organization for someone for a purpose, for a cause, I'm much more willing to give to that versus just hand money to someone somewhere and hope that it gets used in the right way. And that's me. And maybe that's not you. Maybe you're excited about being generous in any way possible. You know, God bless you for that. That's just awesome. But I struggle with that at times. Now let me turn the tables. In a little while, we're going to take an offering here at church because we do that every Sunday, right? What do you feel when the offering plate is being passed? Do you feel it's another organization asking me for money? Is it like when you go to the gas station and they want you to round up? Or do you get excited about ownership in Gateway Church? Are you excited about the things that we can do here at this church, the lives that can be changed, the people that can be impacted, the ministries that we can support because of your generosity. Are you an owner and an investor? I am. I'm the shrewd manager. Is it not true that everything that we have comes from God? So in essence, we are the shrewd manager of his resources. Amen? How good are you at handling God's resources? This parable has nothing to do with us as a rich man. It has to do with heavenly principles that to us don't seem right or fair or rational. As a Christian, I'm asked to give God my everything. I'm called to let God be the Lord of my life, Lord over everything. If he is Lord over it all, he owns it all. My talents, my mind, my stuff, my money, every hundred dollars that I receive comes from God. How do I prepare for my future? 
send it forward. Every good message has its tweet in it, right? So if you're on Twitter, I want you to tweet this one today. If God has everything except your money, does he have you? If God has everything except your money, does he have you? I believe, after studying this parable, that generosity is a tool. Generosity is a tool that we can use not to buy our way into heaven, but to impact people's lives. Do you think the shrewd manager impacted the lives of those people that he reduced their debt? Absolutely. What if, and this is a big what if, what if the very generosity that you show here on this earth equates to people and lives in the kingdom of heaven? Your generosity when you say yes to somebody asking you for something, your time, your talent, your money, what if that equates to lives change, people in the kingdom of God? And what if, in the end, your earthly possessions are gone and you will be welcomed into an eternal home? Wouldn't it be cool to walk into heaven and have people say to you, Thank you. Thank you for being generous, but because of what you did, you made a way for me to hear the gospel. You made a way for me to enter the kingdom of heaven. You paved the path on which I could walk to eternal life. I don't know how that works in God's world, but it's pretty clear here that Jesus is saying that we need to be generous. Interesting, generosity is also a test. In verse 10 and 11 and 12, it says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Does your generosity here on earth have a correlation with your rewards in heaven? What do you think? Let's read a couple of scriptures on that. What does Matthew chapter 6 say? Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. I think our generosity here on earth has a direct correlation with our reward in heaven. Absolutely. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Should people cheat God? Yes, you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. If you read earlier in Micah chapter 3, the people of Israel were bringing their sacrifices 
their offerings to God. But they weren't bringing what they should have brought to God. They brought him blind animals and sick animals and crippled animals. And they were probably saying, hey, this priest is going to kill it anyhow. What does it matter if it's blind or it's crippled or it's sick? Do we do that with our generosity? When the Holy Spirit prompts us to give, do we give just a pittance because that ah, doesn't really matter? Does your generosity have a correlation with your rewards in heaven? Yeah, I believe so. Luke chapter 12, then he told the story, a rich man had a little fertile farm and produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and all my other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Does your generosity here on earth have a correlation with your rewards in heaven? Yes. What does it take to be generous? You're going to have to decide that between you and God. Now let me get practical. We're all sitting in a sanctuary in a building that was provided for us by generous people. It's a great place to meet. It's a great place to worship the Lord. But the church needs money to operate as well. We have a need here at Gateway Church, and I've been putting it off for a long time because finances are always tight around church. We're always just... You're making sure that every nickel that we spend is well spent. We have a need here that um, is interesting. It's not something that you see every day. You see it every Sunday, but you don't notice it. You see our sound system and our lighting system and our projection system is, is fading fast. But I haven't said anything to much of any of you out here because... It seems a little foolish, doesn't it? To spend $50,000 on projectors and lights and sound. And I asked Pastor Nathan last week, I said, so talk to me about this. And he said, you know, we don't need it. We don't need the money. Because we can gather everybody and get real close when this microphone quits working because <laughs> the sound system breaks down. And maybe the lights don't work anymore. And, you know, we've already lost a few projectors and we lose more. We can just gather around a little closer and we can all make a holy huddle. and We can all get along just fine, right? But are we making a way for people who are outside and are trying to get in here? You see, your generosity isn't for the church. Your generosity is for changed lives. And if we need to do certain things in our sanctuary to change lives, 
So be it. I want to create a space for those who need the kingdom to enter in. I want to erase the distractions for them. If that means that we have to do some upkeep around here, so be it. And I know that there are a lot of people in this church that are generous. And I've experienced your generosity, and the church has experienced your generosity, and we all are a part. We're all owners in this. We're all investors in this church. But there are some people in church who look at the offering plate or look at the church and say, now is not a good time in my life. And the word later enters their vocabulary. Later, when my kids are a little older and I get a raise, then I'll have enough money. And you get a raise and then your kids need braces. And there it goes. But later, when my kids are gone and I'm making more money and I don't have those expenses of car insurance for kids, then I'll have money. And later, never comes. There are lots of times that I look at the end of the month and go, boy, I wish payday was this Friday instead of next Friday. (laughs) But I'm not starving to death. God's taking care of me. Interesting thing, when I did my taxes this year, and I did them myself for my first time, I had somebody come in and help me. Boy, it was a lot easier and a lot cheaper than paying somebody else to do it. But there were two things that I noticed when I did my taxes. I felt like I was a fairly generous person, but as I looked at that number, I realized, I can't write that check. There's no way at the end of the year I can write that check for the money that I've given to nonprofits. But what I did was I wrote a little bit each week. And when I got to the end of the year, I looked at that number, and if you'd have told me, okay, Joel, you, you, you haven't spent that all year, so you have it in your account. You can write it. I wouldn't have it in my account. It'd be gone. Right? The second thing I realized was that somehow God took care of every one of my needs, and most of my wants. So what happens if I'm more generous? I don't know. But I'll tell you this, it'll equal to more changed lives and more people in the kingdom of God. How do you measure generosity? Remember we asked that question in the beginning. I'll tell you a little story of someone in this church. And I asked him for permission because I don't tell stories about people in this church, especially my family, unless I ask the permission because I get in trouble. There's a guy in our church who is a new believer. 
And uh, about three months ago, our coffee machine broke down. Now, you didn't know it because we kept making sure you had coffee every Sunday because we didn't want a mutiny on our hands when you showed up at 930 and there's no coffee or donuts. But we worked hard at trying to find a machine to replace it with as cheap as we could get by. And I found one on eBay and we brought it in and it works great. But it's 110 volts instead of 220. And those of you that are electricians, Dave, you understand things don't work quite as fast. And this one took a lot longer to brew a pot of coffee. And so we were back at square one. But this gentleman in church, who's a new believer, saw that need and he came up to me and he said, What if I shake the piggy bank? Those are his exact words. Let's see what I can come up with. And I looked at him, I said, what, do you, what does that mean? He said, I think I got $1,000 in my piggy bank. If it's under $1,000, I'll pay for it. Now, this is a guy who doesn't give at Gateway Church. But God got a hold of his heart. And we have a new coffee machine <laughs> in the cafe. Amen. And I told him that. I told him, I said, you were listening to the Holy Spirit. This man who was in our church, who's a new believer, started out, and this is, the, this is the timeline that people do. You come into church and you enjoy this facility and, and you, you enjoy what's happening here at church and, and you come and you spend time here. And eventually you say, how can I help out? And you begin to use your time and your talent for God. And he would help me throw candy in the sacks for kids at Christmas time. We had a great time together doing that. And he got involved in doing different things in ministry that he could do. And then the next step is to become an owner. And to say, I want to give because I see there's a need. That's the progression of the life of a believer. It's just part of growing in your faith. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come quickly. But generosity has a huge impact on the lives of people. Now, we all get to enjoy that coffee. But it sure is fun to invite somebody who doesn't go to Gateway Church in to have a cup of coffee that they don't have to pay for. And that they can realize the rewards of that. In some way, we open up a door to share the gospel with them. I'll leave you with one final thought. I listened to a webinar the other day. You know what a webinar is? We no longer go to seminars, we go to webinars. I don't have to travel anywhere. I sit in my office and I listen to it on a computer. And if I have a question, I hit a little button that says raise your hand <laughs> and you ask a question. The seminar was on generosity. And they said something to me that really challenged me. They said, church is not a nonprofit. Oh, we're a nonprofit, and if you are generous at church, we'll give you a tax donation receipt that says that you gave that amount of money, and you can write that off on your taxes. But they challenged me, and they said, we need to look at church as a for-profit business. 
And I went, oh, wait a second. Boy, that's going to sit wrong with a lot of people. And they said, profit margin in our churches equals life change. That was a wild idea for me. Do you mean, preacher, that the church should make money? Absolutely. The difference between a for-profit business and a for-profit church, a for-profit business, the profits go to the shareholders and the owners of the business. A for-profit church, the profits go to people's lives being changed. What if, just think with me for a second, what if our budget at Gateway Church is $700,000 a year? What if we made a profit this year and we brought in $900,000? What could we do with $200,000 to impact our community for the gospel? Unbelievable what we could do. Why are we trying to just reach that goal? Why can't we go beyond that to see what God can do? That's being generous. And if you're generous, your generosity here at church will lead to eternal rewards. People's lives, people in heaven, the kingdom being advanced. You can't buy your way to heaven. You cannot do it. But I can be generous with my finances and make a way for somebody to enter the kingdom of God. My challenge to you today is, are you generous? Are you generous with what God has given you? And how do you handle that generosity? What do you do when the Holy Spirit prompts you to be generous? I want to invite our ushers to come forward this morning. And the reason why I did it this way was because I wanted you to look at offering in a different light. Don't look at it as another organization asking you for money because we all ask for money. But look at it as an opportunity to change the lives of someone in our world. Let me pray this morning for our offering. Lord, I ask that you would help me to be the generous person that you've called me to be. What does that look like, Lord? I don't know, but help me to to not squelch your spirit, but to listen for your voice and to hear your voice and to be generous with the things that you've given to me. Help us as a church, Lord, to be generous. Lord, what if you were to open the floodgates of heaven and we were to exceed our budget at Gateway Church, what would that look like in Elk River? What would that look like in Kurdistan, Lord? What would that look like in Amenti's Church in downtown Minneapolis? Lord, give us those resources. Give us those opportunities to change the lives of people that you want to reach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.